Welcome to The Bridge Online. No matter where you're worshiping from, we are so glad to have you with us. This week, Pastor Doug has another amazing message for us. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Today we're going to start a series um, entitled Practical Living. And just feel led in my spirit over the next few weeks to uh, touch on the topics that affect all of us. No matter who we are. You know, sometimes when you hear preaching, um, at any given moment, if it's the word of God, it's always practical. Please don't misunderstand. But you'll hear a sermon and it just hits at a different season, right? Like sometimes you'll be hearing something and maybe you're not in that season. It's still good and at some point it'll, it'll become applicable for you, but maybe it's not that season. What we're going to hit on over the next few weeks, it doesn't need a season. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're a new Christian. It doesn't matter if you're an old it's just, it's just everyday Christian living stuff that applies to every one of us, okay? And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to be talking about things like finances. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about church attendance. I mean, just stuff that's, that's clearly laid out in the Word of God. And so I thought, if we're going to start this off, let's start off with a bang. Let's start off right off the bat. And so this morning, the title of the sermon is Taming the Tongue. I got the same response this morning in the first service. <laughs> Listen, this, this, this is going to be a difficult topic. And the reason it's going to be a difficult topic, it applies to every one of us. It applies to me, above all. Like, there's no one exempt. It's, there's, there's not like some level of maturity or some level of understanding of Scripture or God that you arrive in which you now don't have to control your tongue or control the words that come out of your mouth. It's every single person, everyone here, everyone listening, everyone who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in fact, listen to this verse that we start with, James chapter 1 and verse 26. They'll put it on the screen, but if you have a Bible, I want you to see it. I want you to see it. James chapter 1 verse 26, he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Just leave that there for a second if you're reading it on the screen. What a bold statement that James makes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you, you, can, be, you can be really good at giving to the poor. You, you can be very generous. You, you can be kind and loving to the people around you. You, 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 can, you can really do well at reading scripture and studying the word of God and prayer. But if you're not controlling the words that are coming out of your mouth, according to this verse, your religion is worthless or useless. It has no, it has no salt or no savor. It has no bite. That's, I don't know about you, but when I read these verses like this, they really... They really jump out at me, right? They really just catch your attention like, whoa, James, James wants us to learn. Like there's something here, right? There's something here for us to get. Folks, we are living in a time where people seem to be more vicious with their words than ever before, at least in my, in my lifetime. Maybe you can remember a day when it was worse, but for me, 46, people today 
are more loose, more vicious with their words than I've ever seen. People today will say or unfortunately type just about anything. And they'll say it or type it toward just about anyone. Doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter if someone's in a position of authority. It, it doesn't matter if it's a teacher, if it's a police officer, if it's a judge, if it's a pastor. It doesn't matter if the, if the person's elderly, if it's a woman. Like, like, I'm old enough to remember when there used to be, even among the lost, certain standards. Like, like even those who did not profess to be followers of Christ or didn't go to church, they still didn't say certain things in certain settings to certain people. To me, it, it just appears that day is over. This has become the generation of commenting. The generation of commenting, saying whatever I want, whenever I want to say it. Now, there was this famous theologian named Mike Tyson who said he thinks the reason people are so bold to type whatever they want is because no one gets punched in the face anymore. You know what he's saying. He's certainly not a theologian. But, but in other words, what he's saying is because of this rise of social media where, where you can type things and, and not be, and, and degrade someone's character, defame someone, put them down, gossip, slander, be evil, be vicious, be vile. And, and really, in your eyes, there's no repercussions. And, and folks, that's exactly the hour and the time in, in which we're living. But I want you to notice this verse of scripture. Because, because it's, it's the word of God that is the authority over our lives, Right? Not the culture and not what is socially acceptable. That is not what sets the stage for morality for the Christian. The authority of, of morality in a Christian's life is the Bible, the word of God. And the Bible says that if we're not able to control our mouth and to control the words that are coming out of our mouth, then our religion is useless. It's of, it's of no effect. Folks, as I've studied this this week, it's become very clear that God takes this whole issue of the words we speak far more serious than we do. I want you to keep your finger in James. We're going to come back there. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16. There's a couple of places in the Bible, maybe only one place in the Bible, where scripture gives us insight to the things that God hates. Maybe you didn't know that this morning, but there are things that God hates. Yes, there are things that God loves, but there are things that he hates. This particular portion of scripture lists seven things that God hates. Just let me read them to you. Maybe you've never read the list. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, the seventh is an abomination to him. The list goes like this, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives wicked plans or devices, devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. I want you to notice that of the, the list of seven things that God hates, three out of the seven 
have to do with the tongue. Think about that for a moment. Don't tell me that God doesn't take this more serious than we do. Three out of the seven things listed in the Bible that reveal the heart of God and the mind of God, the things that he says, I hate, I hate that. Three out of the seven have to do with your tongue. Lying, bearing false witness, which is, which is, which is maybe better known today as gossip, and sowing discord. So, sowing discord would be always being negative. Always, always kind of making the atmosphere more negative, more, more discouraging, um, never willing to walk in unity, always rebellious, always complaining. God, the Bible says God hates it. For many of you, you know that the book of Proverbs itself is filled with warnings about the tongue. Warning after warning. In fact, it's probably the number one topic in the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, these warnings about negative words, hurtful words, slanderous words, harsh words. And so no question from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, we see that God takes this issue extremely serious. It's a big deal to God. And so this morning, it needs to be a big deal to us. If you want to follow Jesus Christ and profess him as your Lord and Savior, practically, you have to deal with what comes out of your mouth. And so what I want to do is show you just three reasons why what comes out of your mouth is so important. So if you're taking notes, there's just three things, three, three reasons that we're going to focus on this morning of why your words are so important and why it's necessary for you and I, all of us, every one of us, to control our tongue. Number one, the first reason your words will determine the direction of your life. Your words will determine the direction of your life. As, as you and I sit here today, we are in many ways, we are the product of the words that have been spoken over our lives. Or, or maybe it's the words even, we are the product of the words that we speak over our lives. I wanna set the stage very clearly because there's a number of things that we're going to be talking about in words. For, for, for we, know, we know that, for, for the most part, taming your tongue has to do with what you speak about others, right? But, but also, I want you to recognize that sometimes there are words that you receive. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, but the big one is that we don't often think about is I've discovered that this week, I thought I was crazy, but the reality is everybody talks to themselves, I thought I was the only one. No, uh, no, according, according to studies now, medical science is catching up with the Bible, that everybody talks to themselves. And in fact, one study said, suggested that an individual will say 40,000 words to themselves in a day. And so the words that you speak over yourself, the things you say about yourself that maybe no one even hears are important. In, in, in fact, they will, they, will, they will begin to guide the self-talk and the talk that you allow others to speak over you and the talk that comes out of your mouth verbally or audibly that can be heard. All of it begins to determine the direction and the course of your life. I agree with Chris Hodges. Pastor Chris Hodges says this, we are the sum total of our relationships and the words spoken over us. 
If you, if you think about your life right now as you sit here, you are a product or a sum total of your relationships and the words that have been spoken over you. The words that you and I speak and the words that we receive tend to set the course of our life. James explains this in the third chapter. Go back to James. And we're going to read the entire third or the 12 verses of the third chapter. And then I'm gonna, I'll break it down and show you on this specific point. But let's start at the first verse. He says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by, by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, of creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. I want you to notice at the beginning, these verses in chapter three and chapter four, or verse, verse three and verse four. We're, we're talking about words directing the course of your life. And I want you to notice the analogy. He does such a great job, right? He uses the analogy of a bit that is put in a horse's mouth and a rudder that is used to steer a ship. Think of a horse. Think of the power and the, the majesty of a horse. How much bigger, how much stronger a horse is than a human being. And yet with this one invention, this, this bit that they put in the horse's mouth, you can control the horse. And think of some of the amazing things that a man can tame and cause a horse to do because of that, that bit. And then when you think of a, of a rudder, and a rudder, of course, is the thing in the, on the engine and below the engine. It's what steers the, the, the boat, underneath the boat. And if you've ever taken a cruise or been a, seen these large, gigantic ships and cruise ships or Navy vessels, and it's amazing. I remember when we went on a cruise a few years ago, and you'd be coming into a, a, a specific port, and you'd see the area where you think you're getting ready to dock, and in your mind's eye, it doesn't even look like the ship can fit in such a small area. But because of, because of this thing underneath, right, that nobody sees, that is in comparison to the size of the ship, it's just seemingly insignificant, and yet it's controlling the direction of, of where that ship goes. And the analogy is that's the way our tongues are. Our tongues aren't, aren't always seen. They're very small in comparison to the rest of our body. And yet they have the ability to control the course of our life, to control and, and to dictate the direction that our life is going to go in. Something so small. And yet it can control something so much bigger. The tongue may be small, but it's powerful. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says it this way. Death 
and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability this morning to speak death, destruction. You you have the ability to tear people down, to defame them, to harm their character, to hurt them or, or distract even some kind of a blessing that might be in their future. But you also have the ability to speak life, to exhort, to encourage, to bless, to build up. It's all, think of that. Think of the power that's in the tongue. And so this morning, if we're going to follow Jesus practically, like on an everyday, day-to-day, real basis, we have to be careful what we're speaking, what we're speaking over others and what we're speaking over ourselves. And we also have to be careful of what we allow to be spoken over ourselves. Let me just, let me just talk about that. Let me comment on that really quick and then move on because that's not the, the main topic of the sermon. But, but I know, and as I was preparing this week, I knew that there would be people in this room who maybe you had parents who have all your childhood spoke bad things over you, evil. They just, negative things. You're stupid. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not going to be successful. Listen to me. If that's you... In the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, listen, all of those words that have been spoken over you can be reversed. But the way they have to be reversed is by you getting into the word of God and finding out what God your father has said about you. And and listen, God's words always trump man's words. I'm going to say that again. God's words are always more powerful, more effective, and trump anything that any man has ever said over you. And so you got to begin to get into the word of God. And even though maybe someone that was important in your life said you were, you were weak or foolish or whatever it was, you got to look and say, God says, no, I see you totally different. And God, through his word, speaks life over you. He speaks blessing over you. He speaks, he speaks, listen, this is what God says about you. He says, I see you. He says, I see that I have a, I have a plan for your life. I have hope for your future. And I, I know that you're going to be successful and you're going to do well and you can overcome and you can conquer and you're going to be victorious, right? That's what God's word says. And so it takes, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one altar call. It doesn't happen in one service. It happens, the reversal happens by you diving into the word of God and speaking God's word over your life. Come on, somebody, say amen. And if you've been impacted by those negative words, trust that God's word trumps over all others and begin to speak God's. That's why you've got to learn it. That's why you've got to memorize it, right? So it will begin to change your vocabulary because what ends up happening is if people are speaking negative over you, you just start to speak the same things. And before you realize it, you're just, you're just furthering this destruction in your life. No, reverse it today by using the word of God. Amen? But it's not just the words that we hear or the words that we allow to be spoken of. It's the words we speak. Think of this in the Old Testament. We, we often use the children of Israel. There's so many great spiritual lessons. But the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they need food. They were slaves. They don't have anything. And God knows this the whole time. And they cry out to God, and God says, okay, I'll take care of you. I'm your, I'm your father. I'm your provider. I didn't bring you out of Egypt for you to starve. And what happens? He sends supernatural provision from heaven. It's called manna. Remember the story? And so this manna, like, can you imagine being a part of the children of Israel at this time? Like, we're hungry. Okay, just food just dropping out of the sky. And, like, it's a great experience at first. Everybody's like, this is amazing. 
it, that was, listen, God was doing Uber way before we got used to it. Manna, 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 manna. And finally, they just get sick of manna. And so what do they do? They start complaining about what God has given them. Now, now listen, <laughs> just be, before manna came, they had nothing and they were going to starve to death. But now all of a sudden they've had it for a few days straight and they start murmuring, the Bible says. They start complaining. They're sick of manna. I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. And they start saying this. We, we miss the onions and the leeks and the garlics that we had back in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And, and, and all of a sudden, they're murmuring and complaining. And, and can you imagine? They're like, we just soon go back to Egypt and be slaves. At least we had onions. I don't care how much you like onions. <laughs> you don't go back to slavery for that. But what's happening? There's, there's a mindset. There's a, there's a culture shift. There's a complaining. And here's the reality. The Bible records this. Not one of those people entered the promised land. Not, not one of those people. And so their words set the course for their life. I want you to think about that. And in fact, when, when, the, when the Bible refers to in the New Testament about the sins of the children of Israel, you know, it doesn't even like barely mentions the, the golden calf. Like that one to me was a big one. Anyway, but, but he, you know what they mentioned? The murmuring and complaining. And he says, don't harden your heart like they did. Because what was happening was in their heart, there was a lack of trust. There was a lack of faith. There was this, this complaining. They weren't satisfied. They were always, it's just something in the human heart, isn't it? That, that we always have this capacity to find something wrong and then focus on it. Isn't that amazing? Like that's who we are. That's our sin nature. That, that's why there's these exhortations in scripture and these commandments to be, to be grateful for what you have, to focus on the gifts that God's put in your life, right? To be satisfied. That's why Paul is, is he's talking about this victory that he's achieved in his life. He says, I've learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. If, if I have a lot and I'm very, very wealthy and I have a lot of abundance, I'm happy and I'm content and I'm thankful for that. But if I'm going through a season of lack, it's okay. I know God's in control. I'm content. And we're living in a society where very few people are content. And out of this lack of contentment comes these, this verbal onslaught of just foolish things. I want to go back to Egypt so I can have leeks and onions. And yet today in our current society, there is this prevailing mentality that says, it's like this, it's like, I'm just going to say it like it is. And I said that with like a little bit of a sarcastic because that's usually how whoever, if you say that, that's usually how you say it. I'm just one of those people that say it like it is. I've probably said that. Maybe you have said that. I, I know I've been around people who have said that, but here's the reality. That's fine. You have, you have all the freedom to do that if you want, but don't complain and wonder why you are not the, experiencing the blessing of God, but rather you're experiencing the curses of your own mouth. Like, like, I find that those people that, that tend to be the most obnoxious with their mouth, that's just the way I am. I'm that way. I'll just tell it like it is. I'll tell people I'm not afraid. You're, you're equating it with some kind of courage. Like, there's, it's not courage, right? Anybody can spew the mouth. 
anybody can spew the mouth. It's not courageous to say something out of your mouth. And, and you're thinking, like, oh, no, I'm courageous. I'll say it like it is. But, but the reality is what you're doing is you're speaking curses in, that are going to impact and affect your own life. It's going to negatively impact you. It's going to ne- negatively impact the people around you. And so we have to be very careful. And so the story goes with the, with the children of Israel, as you know, they, they're murmuring, complaining. God's just merciful and continues blessing. And he finally brings them to the, the borders of the land of Canaan. We talked about this. We didn't talk about this specifically point. But you know when they come to the border of the land of Canaan, now this is a land that God's promised to them. It's your land. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going you're gonna to eat from the vine and the fruit of vineyards and gardens you didn't plant. It's yours. But he brings them to the border and he says, I need you to take authority. I need you to, I need you to step in. It was an occupied land. But God said it was theirs. And so Moses brings in there and God says, send out 12 spies. We know the story. So, so Moses picks the 12 top leaders. You got to understand that. These weren't jokers out of the millions of people. There's millions of people coming out. These are not jokers. These are the top leaders of all the tribes. 12 people, 12 men. And he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in. You're going you're to look through the land of Canaan and then come back and give us a report. Tell us what we need to do. You know the story. Ten of them come back and they're like, it's exactly like God said. There are, there are grapes the size of a man's head. There, there's, it's rivers flowing with milk and honey. It didn't mean literally. That meant like it's just abundant, plush. Everything we need to thrive is there. But we can't do it. We, we can't, it's, we, the, it's everything that God said, but the problem is we can't go because there's giants in the land. In other words, there's some obstacles in the way. And in Numbers, the 13th chapter, I, I think I gave it to them, they can put it on the screen, but in Numbers, the 13th chapter and the 30th verse, there's these two guys, one's named Caleb, one's named Joshua. Caleb rises up and he quiets the people before Moses and he says, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. You know, and, and as you know the story, those 10 individuals, not one of them crossed into the promised land. Only two went in to the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. I, I don't know about you, but I want to be a we are well able kind of person. Don't you? I, I don't, I don't want to be looking at things and saying, yeah, there's some positive there, but this. But always be the guy that points out the negative and always be the person that points out why we can't. And listen, I'm, I'm kind of a dreamer by nature, and so I like to have people like that around me. And uh, you need practical people, don't get me wrong, and they're important, and Charlotte's practical. She's a dreamer, she's practical, and there's others that are practical. But man, I get frustrated at times. I'll be looking at something like, let's do this, look at this, and somebody say, well, we, we don't have any money. Who? cares why are we talking about that <laughs> you, but now listen to me I, I'm not I'm not suggesting that 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 we become naive or that we ever become foolish but I am saying there's this if you're looking on a spectrum right there's there's a there's a middle area there's this healthy balance of saying Okay, let's talk about the challenges. 
Let's be real. Let's be honest. Lay them out to me. And then every time you just begin to look at it and say, okay, I know I think we can, I think we can do this. And here's how I think we can overcome that obstacle. And here's how I think we can do that, right? And, and that's, that's Caleb. Caleb's like, we're well able. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, be a well able type person. Amen? If you believe that and agree with it, say amen. Come on, give God praise. Second, second reason this is so important. Our words can destroy what we already have. Go back to James chapter 3. Our words can destroy what we already have. Words have this destructive power. They are they're more powerful than a gun. They're more, more, cow, more powerful than a bomb, more powerful than a knife, more powerful than our fist. Words have the ability and the power to destroy careers, to destroy families, to destroy friendships. I've sat and listened to just very, very hard stories where families have been split for years. And, and when you boil it down and you talk through it all, it many times came down to one argument, one fight, one moment where someone said something that was so hurtful and was taken so deep that the family now has been split for years. We all have heard stories of, of people who are in positions that should know better and they say something and they say it publicly and their career is destroyed in a moment. A, a career that they spent years and years, they went to college and they worked hard and they worked their way up and they worked their, and they get to this position of, of authority and they get to this position where they're overseen and all of this and in one moment of weakness, they say something and their career is destroyed. Words. Words have power to destroy. James explains that in the fifth and the sixth verse, that third chapter. He says, look, the tongue is a little member, but it, it boasts of great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. I was reading the story, if you remember, I don't know if it was last year, a couple years ago, when the, the forest fires in California were so bad and there were tens and ten, millions of acres, I suppose, that were on fire and that burned through that summer. And they were able to trace that back to one incident. And it was a man who was camping by himself in California and he was, in the, he was out in the wilderness and he was setting up his tent and he had a a metal hammer and he's striking a metal tent spike and as he strikes that there was a spark came off of that tent spike and went into that brush and set the forest on fire and was responsible for burning millions of fires millions of homes billions of dollars of damage one spark that's what James is likening our words to Just, just one thing, just one loose word, just one moment of weakness. One, you know, we're just, we're just, we just feel free to say something because that's what everybody else is doing. We just, it's okay, I'm, right? That's how we just, we spew something out. And folks, without realizing it's, 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 it's out. How many of you know once it's out, it's out. It's hard to bring it back. How many of you, have, how many of you have said something and been like, 
tried to get it back. We can't get it back. And without realizing it, the potential, I'm not saying it happens every time, but the potential for long-term damage is there. And yet our current culture encourages this foolishness. It doesn't warn against it. It, does, it, does, it literally encourages people to do the opposite. Comment, comment, comment. Tell me your opinion. Tell us your opinion. You know you're right. You should say it. Listen to me. Just because you're right doesn't mean we need to hear it. Let me say it to this. this just because you're right doesn't mean we need to hear it. Just because I'm right doesn't mean you need to hear it. This is like not everybody needs your comment. And, and folks, we are encouraging this. And the Bible teaches the exact opposite of this. Look, look in James chapter 1 and verse 19. Just go back a page. Put it on the screen. James chapter 1. While the culture is telling you, man, if it comes, just let it, let it ride. Comment, type, say it, do whatever. Let, let it out. That's what culture's teaching you. All the young people, listen to me. But the Bible says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to comment. Is that what it says? Fast to listen, fast to hear, and slow to speak. I don't know about you. I need help with this. I venture to say maybe all of us need help. How much trouble would I have saved myself over the years if I would listen to this verse of scripture? Sl slower to speak and more apt to listen. But you're in a conversation or you're reading a post and somebody says something and it just hits you the wrong way and it and it just and be, and you don't listen to anything else that's said you don't you don't pay attention to anything else that's going on because you heard the one thing that touched a nerve and by golly you're going to respond right now or 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 how about this here's one this is a pet peeve of mine and I'm guilty so I want to I can address this. this is a perfect time for this if you're talking to me and my eyes are wondering it doesn't mean I'm not listening I have this, I just, I'm, I'm not professing that I have ADHD. I don't, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm, but I'm listening. But my mind is, I'll look here and I'll look there. I just have, I like to think that I'm like really intelligent, right? Like I, I can listen and do that. But, but, but for the most part, I try. I try to stop. I, if there's awkwardness when you look in someone's eye, even though that's what you're supposed to do. For me, that's like an awkward moment. They think, what am I doing? Are you looking at me like that? But so, so, but, but here's my point. Here's my point. I really have a pet peeve. If, if, if I'm talking to you and all you're doing is waiting for me to stop talking so you can talk, I lose interest real quick in the conversation. A lot of us do that, don't we? I'm guilty. I'm not suggesting that I'm not guilty. I, you probably think I'm more guilty than I am because of this whole thing, but. But we're supposed to, as Christians, like when someone's talking to you, let them talk. Listen to what they're saying. Let it sink in a minute. Listen. 
maybe while you're listening, the Holy Spirit will actually give you something that's productive to say. Think of that. We have these gifts of the Holy Spirit that everybody wants to operate in. And the Holy Spirit's like, ain't no time for me to work. Old boy's got more opinions than a trash can. Like, everybody's got one. He's got one. Everybody got, I ain't gonna, how am I going to get word in edgewise? What if we stopped? We're a little slower to speak, a little, a little longer listening. Maybe the Holy Spirit will be there and saying, here's what they need. Tell them this. Here's how to address that. That's what the scripture says. It's not the current culture, folks. We, we, have, we have to come out of this present society. We have to come out from among this world. We have to be separate. We have to be different, especially in this issue. We're called to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I love how it's said in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And this is the New Living Translation. And every one of us need this on a refrigerator. Too much talk leads to sin. But sense, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Thank you. Like, if you're taking any notes, write that one down. Be sensible and <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Listen, when, when somebody reminded me this morning, when God designed you, two ears, one mouth. Right? I made the point, not only that, when he designed you, he put a fence over your tongue, your teeth. He put a picket fence right over your mouth. And he wants you to keep the gate shut because there's too much getting out of the gate that doesn't belong out of the gate. And if your mouth's shut, some of that won't get out. Somebody say amen. Because our words are very destructive if we're not careful. Other verses that tell us very quick, just like this in Proverbs, a lot of talk. How many, how many of you have just been in a situation and right in the middle of it, you realized I'm saying too much? Yeah. I've, I've had that happen a lot. I'm saying too much. I'm a talker. I, I told the first group this morning, th this has been a tough week for me. I was, <laughs> I was somewhere yesterday and we were actually playing golf, and people who knew me very close, it was like, hey, you know, what's wrong? You okay? And in my mind, I'm thinking, there's nothing wrong. I was thinking, I'm not saying anything. I'm done talking. I've been studying this all week. I'm not saying a word. They thought I was depressed. They thought, they thought something was wrong, but I'm like, Psh. I'm only going to speak when I have something good to say. It's been a challenge for me, folks. It would you too. I'm telling you, if if you if this is if this is a real issue for you, I, it's an issue for all of us. But if it's something serious, you need to take time to go to wor the Word of God and let it just peel you open, and help you. Because man, this week it's just like, God, I, I this is this is on me. This is something that I need help with. Altar call time, I'm there, first one. I, I need help. Because, because it's just like even this, I, I tend to talk a lot. I just like to talk. But according to this, look at this. Look at just this guy, to the guys that like to talk a lot. What's it saying? He's like, you know, eventually you just end up, like you just run out of sensible things to say. You, you run out of, 
intelligent, sensible, encouraging things to say. And so inevitably you end up saying some things that you probably just shouldn't say. Or you give information that you shouldn't give. Or you, or you allow the direction to go in a way you shouldn't go. Okay. That's number two. Here's the last one. Write it down if you're taking notes. The third thing. Write these two words down. Duration and direction. Duration and direction. Okay, two, we're, we're, we've, we've covered two. Let's go over them really quick and, we, and then we'll move on. So why is this such a big deal? Your words determine the direction of your life. And number two, your words can destroy what you have. Number three, duration and direction. Why, is it, why are your words important? Because of duration and direction. How much we say and in what direction it heads is extremely important and yet rarely considered. How much you say, that's duration, we've been talking about it, how much you say, and the direction which we're going to spend time on, how much, how much we say is very important to us. Wait a minute, that's not the third point. Did I say that's the third point? That's still the same point. We haven't got to the third point yet. Don't get too excited. We're still on the same point. I just screwed up some of your, some of you have OCD and I just screwed up all your notes. Just scribble. It'll be all right. We're, we're still on the duration thing. We're still on the duration. So listen, duration and direction. And so, and so here's, here's what we say. Instead of saying everything that comes to mind, less words are better. But as important as that is, the direction your words are directed is just as important. What do I mean? What do I mean? Okay, Jesus gives us a model for confrontation, conflict management, dealing with an issue of a brother or sister or someone else in our lives. And it's found in Matthew chapter 18. Here's the reality. If you and I have a problem with someone, we are supposed to go directly to that person and work through it. Not in a confrontational way, but in a desire to resolve the issue. Okay? We're, we're, we're not supposed to go to four people and then get to the person. Now, I know I'm meddling, but I'm preaching to you God's word. You're, you're, you're not supposed to tell everybody and their brother and then, and then, and then maybe get to the person. Jesus said, go directly to the person. Now, now some of you are like, oh, yeah, but you don't know them. They won't listen. How do you know? You've never done it. Don't make an assumption. Let me just say that again. Do not make an assumption. Jesus laid the pattern out. I'm going I'm to suggest to you it works. And he said, go to the person. And if then, if after you've went in the right spirit, by the way, you've got to go in the right spirit. I heard, I heard one of the coolest testimonies this after the first service. Just amazing, really quick. A person in a position had some authority, and all, I don't want to go into details because I don't want to. It was a private conversation, but but there was there was someone that would have been under them, and it was a it was a Christian organization, and this person there was a it was a boyfriend and girlfriend, and they weren't married, and they were having sex with each other. That was just known, and it was just this is and this was wrong. And so this person is just struggling because, because she knows I got to say something. 
And this is one of the sweetest people you ever meet. So she's already got it already in order, but whatever. She's like, I, I, go to the lady, I go to the young lady and I tell her. She says, I'm so glad you came to me. I've really been struggling with conviction about this. And I really have felt like we had to get it right. Let me get my boyfriend online. Will you tell him? She puts him on the speaker. He says, I agree. You're right. We got to get this fixed. No lie. They're getting married on Wednesday. They're getting married on Wednesday. So, 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 so what she thought, and she said, like, Pastor, I worried about this for three weeks. I was sick. I was worried. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I needed to address it. She went in a loving spirit, but she stood the biblical ground. And she says, you, you cannot be in leadership and living contrary to the word of God openly. Everyone knows. And it was fixed right there. Thank God for that. Okay, how many times have you done that before you automatically assume it's not going to work, number one? But if it doesn't work, and if you do it right, and you go in the right spirit, Jesus said, okay, then go find a trusted advisor, someone that is a third party who is, who is upstanding, godly, honest, that will, that will bring clarity and truth into the situation, won't be partial, and bring them in. Now, now you're with some witnesses, and then, and then there's a third step, right? And so there's these steps, but the whole, the whole purpose of all of that is you and I have the responsibility of guiding the direction of our words, you, you have no business complaining to people who can't solve the problem. I'm going to say it again because I know it's quiet and I know that means you're listening. We have no business complaining to people who have no ability to fix the problem that you're complaining about. And yet that's what we do all the time. That's at your job. That's in your family. That's in the church. I, I, we, I, I hear about, oh, so-and-so's complaining. And, there, and I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm just going to tell you straight up. If, if there's a problem in the church and you, set up, and you come and talk to me about it, we're going to talk through it. And your opinion matters. But if you're talking to a number of other people in the church and it's already been spread around and you've already started sowing discord, your opinion no longer matters. Because you're a low-integrity person who doesn't obey and honor the word of God. Why would I allow you to come into my office and talk about important decisions? Nobody would. Tell me that's not the truth. You don't do it. No one, no one else did. You wouldn't do it in your own life. You wouldn't allow it on your job. You wouldn't allow it in, with your children. Could you imagine if you had a child and the child who you have authority with, and they're going to school behind your back and they're talking about you and airing all your dirty laundry to your teachers and to whoever else? Would you just be like, well, they have their right. They have their opinion too. They get to do what they want. You don't do that. You don't do it in your home. You don't do it at the job. If you have any, if you have any position of authority, you don't allow it. Why would you think it should be allowed in the church? That's what Jesus, or that's what the word of God says in Proverbs, someone who sows discord. When you go around telling everyone and highlighting a weakness in the church, you are sowing discord. And God hates it. So don't, don't act like I'm being, I'm not, I'm being less than God. I'm like, your opinion just doesn't matter. I don't hate you. 
God hates what you're doing. Doesn't hate you, he, but he does hate what you're doing. Scripture says. So, so am I bound to listen to your opinion? No, no, not at all. But if you come directly to me, and that applies to personal life, like in my personal life, if if you just you're just out and you're just something about me personally, I'm gonna do the same thing. If you've been out gossiping about me and you know that, I'm not gonna listen to you. I don't care. I'm gonna tell you. Like until you fix the gossip issue, I don't care what you think about me. Why would I? I don't have time to worry about low integrity people. I got a lot of really solid, powerful, strong, influential, godly leaders that I can go to for advice that I know are gonna speak to me well and to speak to me like they're gonna, they're not gonna back away, they're not gonna, they're not gonna step away, but they're gonna tell me this is what's right, this is what the Bible says, this is what you should do. I'm gonna spend time listening to someone who's a gossip? No. You shouldn't either. It doesn't just, this has, that's not my standard, by the way. I'm up here like, oh boy, look. You should have the same standard as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a son and daughter of God. That should be your standard. Are you with me? If you're still with me, just please say amen and put your hands together. Let's get to the third one so we can close because this is tough. You can only listen to this sermon for like 50 minutes. Here's the last one, and it is probably the hardest just because it hits. Here's the third reason why your words are so important and why taming your song is so important is because your words reveal your heart. That's a tough one, isn't it? Think of it this way. What's coming out of the bucket was deep in the well. Some of you old country folks know what I'm talking about. You lived in a home and you drank out of a well there was a bucket and you would let that bucket down and it'd go deep into that cool, crisp water and you'd bring it up and if there was cool, crisp water, man, it was refreshing. Sometimes that well would get polluted and you'd bring that up and it was, the well was polluted and so what's coming out of the bucket is polluted. If what's coming out of your mouth is constantly polluted, it's a heart issue. I didn't say it. Jesus said it, Matthew chapter 12, Verse 34, let's read it together. Brood of vipers. Now he's speaking to the Pharisees, but he's clearly teaching a spiritual lesson. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's just keep it right there. Sorry. Yeah, thank you. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Tough scripture, isn't it? Jesus knows. That's why Jesus was able and he was so calculated and you could just see, like he knew even things that were being said out of people's mouths. Like, man, I'm just, I'm weak in that area, right? Like I don't, somebody said it this morning, like, oh, you never know what someone's going through. I struggle with that. I just like, no, judging by their words, they said it. I don't want that judgment on me though. Right? Like I've said things and I was just having a bad day or I was going through a hard time and I said something and I didn't really mean it. And 
I don't want you to judge me over that. I, I want you to give me grace and I want you to see and recognize that I'm going through a hard time and understand that. But then I don't want to give the same grace to the people around me. No, Jesus was able to look and say, they've, they've got a heart issue. There's something going on. There's, there's a problem. It's not always sin even. Now, we, we, we get the, the understanding that it's sin. If there's a sin problem in the heart, then out of the mouth. We get that. But what if, what if they're just, what if they're, what if they're heartbroken? What, what if they're hurting? What if they just got fired from a job? And now maybe they say something. And out of that abundance, there's, something comes out that's, that's tough. It's, it's not great. And that's not saying it's right. It's not a justification. It's just, it's just this connection that we have to recognize more and more. That out of what's in the heart will ultimately come out of the mouth. Go ahead to the next verse. We'll read through it. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Stay right there. This is important because as we close this morning, there's another lesson here. In other words, Jesus is telling you what you store in your heart is what will come out of your mind. So you have to guard what you're storing in your heart. Right? So what are you storing up? Are you storing up on, on media and angry stuff, stuff that, you know, evil, th like things that are rated R, even worse? Are you, are you, are you allowing, like this is your gate into your heart, your eye gate? What are you allowing into your eye gate? What are you allowing into your ear gate? What are you listening to? Who's your influence, the people of influence that are speaking into your life? Because all of that goes in, but listen, guess where it goes to? It goes to the heart. This is what Jesus says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, that good will come up. If you're storing good in, good will come out. If you're storing evil in, evil's gonna come out. I, I told the first group this, like, for me, this has been for, for years since we were, we've been married 26 years, but before that, even when we were young, I, I've never been able to get away from this. And Charlotte now works in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and recognizes it. I'll just, you know, just like, I'm, I'm human. Like, I'll get, maybe you listen to or certain music or you're just watching some things, especially political things. And you start, you start, and all of a sudden you just, and she'll say, you need to go pray. You need to pray. You need to, and I'm like, how'd she know? I'm so dense. Like, I wonder how she knew that. Was you telling her with your mouth all the time? Negative, angry. This person gets on my nerve. This person's on. Man, you believe they did that? Man, 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 man. Blah, blah, blah. Evil in the heart, evil out the mouth. But if you're storing good in, good will come out. Let's read the last verse there. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account for it in the day of judgment. One more verse. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Man, it's tough stuff, isn't it? It's true. James chapter 3 and verse 9, and we're closing, I promise. You guys can come. James chapter 3, verse 9, he says, With your mouth you bless God and 
Then with the same mouth, you curse men. He's like, you know, out of the same mouth shouldn't be coming. Like you go to church and you, oh, praise the Lord. Same God, you're going to do it again. And then on your way home, you tear a Christian brother down in the car with your children in the back seat. I can't believe that so-and-so, he's a loser. You see them in church today? I don't, I don't even know why they go to church. And your kids are in the back, and they're just, you're just putting it in their heart. All the words you speak, your kids are just, just soaking it in, just going right into their heart, right into their spirit. Cut and tear and, and, and diminish, speak evil, act like it's okay because it's your family. Well, it's fine, like we said earlier. But, but don't be surprised when you have kids that are just like hateful and don't want to go to church and think the church is crazy and think there's hypocrites there. Come on, somebody. Out of, the, out of the heart, the mouth professes. But here's the thing, and I want you to read this verse, and then we're going to close, I promise. He says, no man can tame the tongue. Verse 9, or verse, verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. It's an unevil, unevil, it's evil and it's full of deadly poison. And so you read in all of this, and if you read it and you're not careful, you'll go like, well, why are we even having this discussion then, Pastor? You're just condemning us. You're just, you're just telling us the things that the Bible says we can't do. But that's not what James is saying. James isn't saying it's not possible to tame your tongue, even though that's like the, that particular one verse. This is what he's saying. He's saying you can't tame your tongue on your own. Why? Because you can't fix your heart on your own. Are you with me? He's not saying you can't tame your tongue. You can, but you can only do it with God's help. Just, just like you can't, you can't save yourself, you can't fix your heart, the only one that can fix the heart is God, is Jesus Christ. And so, so all of a sudden it comes to this understanding, oh, I get it. This sermon isn't about, don't say that. Don't, I mean, I remember that early on. Okay, I, gotta, I know it. I, I know now. I'm not going to gossip. He really emphasized gossip. I'm going to quit gossiping. No, but it's cussing. It's, I've got to quit cussing. That's what it's called. You, right? And you listen to the sermon. And you're like, okay, that, what am I going to focus on? And before long, you're just, I can't do this. It's not what he's saying. It all wraps up in this amazing, profound way. And it says, if you'll fix the heart, everything else will follow. Come on, somebody. You see it? And here's what's wonderful is if you'll allow God to fix your heart, he'll gladly do it. He'll, it. And so it just takes simply this morning you inviting him and saying, God, this is an issue for me. And so I'm inviting you to come this morning, Holy Spirit, and help me because clearly your word shows me. I didn't realize it was a heart issue, but your word says it is, so I get it. So will you come? And here's the truth. That has to happen all the time. It's not a one-time event. I've been in this thing for a while. You've been in this thing a while. It's not a one-time deal. You don't just come to God one time and everything's fixed. Yes, my heart is right with God in, this, in, the, in, the, in terms of my salvation, but how many know, like, to just, there's just some junk gets around my heart at times, and there's some hardness that starts to come, and I need the Holy Spirit to come and just begin to soften it and help me and point it out and, and, 
to, to use the psalmist in Psalm 19, verse 14, this should be our prayer, an ongoing prayer throughout our Christian life. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, are my strength and my redeemer. Don't you love that verse? Like that should be our key verse and saying, God, work in my heart because if my heart's right, I know my words will be right. Come on, let's stand all over the building. Let's get ready to go before the Lord today and ask him to help us. You can hear a sermon like this and literally just allow the devil to condemn you. Because it's like every one of us are guilty. And when you're guilty and you know it, like that's, set, that's a seedbed for con condemnation, right? It's not meant to condemn you. And James isn't trying to condemn. He's just trying to say, look, this is serious. This is, this is legitimately impactful. It impacts you and it impacts the people around you. And God wants your life to be blessed. And he wants your future to be blessed. And he wants the people around you. He wants you to be a blessing to the people around you. So you've got to get this. And it, it starts all right here. And I'll help you. Like that's, that's the summation of the whole thing. And so this morning, if you're here, and, and this is an issue, I'm just asking everybody just to pray with me. Just start to pray. If you're here this morning, and maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you want to do that, Right now is a, a perfect opportunity for with your mouth to confess faith in Jesus Christ. Think of that. It's with our mouth. It's with our mouth that we confess Jesus Christ. Don't tell me our words aren't powerful. If you're here, folks are praying. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you want to right now, will you raise your hand? We're going to pray with you. You say, I want to give my life to Christ. I've never done it, but today I want to do it. Someone else, I've got to, yes. Right there at your seat, nobody's looking, nobody's looking. It's you and God. Confess with your mouth, and God will hear it. You don't have to say it out loud. You're speaking to God, and God can hear you. And, and just begin to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I sin, and I'm broken, and I can't fix myself. And I can't save myself, but I need to be saved. But I know that Jesus is the Son of God, and I know that he came to save me. So Jesus, will you forgive me, and will you cleanse me, and will you come and be the Lord and the master of my life? Today, I'm willing to surrender the entire control of my life to you. If you're willing to pray that, begin to pray it right now. The two of you that raised your hand, pray that prayer in some way. It doesn't have to be exactly just... It's, Lord, I give up, I surrender, be my Lord, take over, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me with your blood. Just cry out to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. And the Bible says that if you pray it with an honest heart, the Bible says you'll be born again. In other words, you're forgiven. Just like that. Just bam, you're forgiven. Jesus says, okay, let's do this thing together. We're going to take a minute. We're not going to move any further. We're going to let you do that. are closed. This is, I just, heads bowed. Those of you that raised your hand, I'm just going to ask you, just give me a nod, give me a look. look at my, 
if you did that and you did it from your heart and you believe that you've been saved this way, you believe that God heard your prayer, just look at me. Just lift your head up. Look at me. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. Two young men just gave their heart to Christ. Praise God. Now, this is what I love about church. When I was a sinner, I had to pray that prayer that we just talked about. That was first. But as a Christian, I still deal with sin. And I still have to pray prayers of forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. Help me. And, and as God shows me something, we work on it. We got a lot of Christians in the house that need to work on some stuff with our tongue. That's the reality. So the altar's open. Your seat's open. Let's not play games. We're all guilty. of so, let, Come on. Let's just take a minute. Let them sing. And let's deal with this this morning. Come on, church. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you did, make sure you like and share on social media to help spread God's word. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, or if you'd like to give, you can go to our website at thebridge129.org. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.